Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. Um, it's been a heck of a week for me. Uh, I've been watching a ton of baseball. Not a ton of Major League Baseball, because uh, I haven't had time for that, but and I'm still keeping up as much as I can. And uh, yeah, we got some more baseball to talk about today, which is uh, pretty cool, I guess. Yes. Uh, first time in a week doing that because we are coming off the single or the uh, players with that one season draft. Um, hope you enjoyed that one with Nico Fasella and Rob Dickey. Um, yeah, I know always, I did. Always a always a fun, funny time uh, doing those drafts. Um, I, I it's better. It's better when it's when it's very funny and can bring some laughs about. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, there has been uh, a good amount of news to come through the baseball pipeline. Uh, the biggest piece of news, um, very, very unfortunate. Uh, I really hated to hear this. Um, Jacob deGrom, who's announced, uh, I think maybe last Tuesday or Wednesday, but uh, Jacob deGrom, yeah, Tuesday, it was announced that he uh, would be requiring Tommy John surgery um, I did not know this is the second time he's actually getting Tommy's John surgery. The uh, other time was actually in 2010 uh, before he ever graced a major league mound. Um, but he is getting Tommy John surgery. Uh, he will miss all of this year, most, if not all of next year. Um, and a real, real bummer here. Yeah, no, I mean, this this just sucks. Um, there's obviously no other way of putting it. Um, Jacob deGrom has been the best pitcher on the planet since 2018 when he really started taking off of the Mets and it, it's almost, it almost feels like he's just like too good for his own body because I mean, he's throwing consistent hundred mile an hour fastballs. He's throwing like sliders in the upper, in the, you know, the low nineties, which is insane. And, you know, his body just hasn't been able to keep up with it, which is really unfortunate. Um, you know, he's also 35, you know, if you can believe that. He only debuted, uh, you know, 10 years ago to 26. But, you know, he's uh, he's 35 now. He's going to be at least 36 when he gets back, probably 37. As his birthday is actually. Um, so he'll be entering his age 37 season, likely. When he comes back, um, this is also really unfortunate for the Rangers. They had a very start to the season. They are continuing t- continuing to have a good start. A lot of that is because of their offense. So, you know, the, the injury probably won't cost them too, too much. But, I mean, this is just the guy that you want to see out on the mound uh, as much as you can. And, you know, it really feels like as baseball fans, uh, we've been robbed of a lot of very cool dominance from Jacob deGrom over the last few years uh, with his – you know, with his history of injuries. Um, yeah, it it really has been. I mean, it's it's really just been a domino effect ever since 
you know, those IL stints started in 2021 because we were seeing, you know, back back at that point, we were seeing really his full potential on display. Um, and it's really unfortunate that that's been, you know, compromised now. Not that he's been any worse on the mound. It's just we've seen him much, much and much less. Um, I've suspected that he would probably need this surgery for a while now, considering um, there has been issues with his forearm uh, and elbow for the past couple years. So it seemed like a precursor to things, unfortunately. Um, so it, it does bring a weird sense of closure about it. Not a good sense of closure, but a sense of closure nonetheless, that he's going to have to have this. Um but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, now who know you know who knows where he goes from there. Some guys come back from Tommy John surgery and they're able to be fully healthy consistently afterwards. Uh, sometimes that's not the case, unfortunately. So we'll see how Degrom recovers from this when he does. Um, but yeah, it's a real bummer. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, like his his media scrum after you know after the announcement. It you know was uh. It, not fun to watch uh he had you know tears in his eyes and whatnot and you understand i mean it's been a really frustrating two years now for jacob de grom yeah i i mean going back to 2021 uh sandy alderson said that like uh he had an, a ucl sprain uh and it really i i really Wonder if the Benham or whoever kind of just kicked the can down the road here because it was like could have been done earlier on, uh, you know. But it's obviously happening now. Uh, I think this is kind of just like the the inevitable. It felt like for a while. Um, and yeah, with the media scrum and Degrom's reaction, yeah, I mean, it's you feel it all just watching it because you understand what he's gone through, what he knows he can be, and uh. You know, the fact that he's not able to fulfill that uh, and that he's, you know, wasting whatever time he may have left in the league. It's just heartbreaking. You know, I'm sure that he will come back fine. Justin Verlander came back at like age 39 and won the Cy Young. So, you know, there is definitely hope, especially because the Grom is, I think, a couple of years away from, you know, having a Hall of Fame case. Uh, and I'm sure that that's that he would really want to pursue. Um, but yeah, no, it is just really unfortunate. Yeah, and I, I believe he actually... Uh, I think Jeff Passan at some point, like two years ago, you know, when he was really hitting headlines, um, he, uh, I think he had a conversation with Degrom, and Degrom was describing how he wanted to be considered uh, an inner circle Hall of Famer. Um, is is the term he used? You know, there's Hall of Famers, and then and then there's obviously inner circle guys that are you know the best of the best. Uh, and if you like to to just go over how exactly how dominant Jacob deGrom has been, especially in since 2021, like obviously he won Cy Young in 2018 and, and 2019, but he actually really ramped it up afterward. Uh, since the start of 2021, out of uh, all the pitchers with 150 plus innings, um, he has the best FIP by 0.53. He has a one, he has a one six Oh FIP. And since the start of 2021, uh, the next best is at 2.13. Uh, and he is the best uh, strikeout minus walk rate by 10.1%. Uh, he has a 39.8% uh, strikeout minus walk rate uh, since 
the start of 2021, the next best is at 29.7%. Um, and like, that's, you know, that's what we're missing here. And uh, unfortunately, it's almost a too good to be true scenario because, I mean, it's to have that type of stuff and stay healthy. Um, and specifically by type of stuff, I mean, that type of velocity and stay healthy. It's near impossible. But also what should be noted is like, how amazing he is at commanding the baseball and keeping it over the plate and hitting the right spots. Um, not while like, also not being, o- you know, yeah. While also having that electric stuff. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's what separated him. That's why a couple of months ago I was saying he might be the greatest talent we've ever seen on a mound because no one's had that stuff, that stuff combined with that command. Um, but so that's why it's such a bummer that he's going to be missing, uh, you know, probably all of the next uh, two seasons here. Um, and yeah, as far as the Rangers go, uh, obviously a bummer for them. You could definitely point out, yeah, they've been winning without him, um, which is true. And, you know, they'll, they're, it seems like they're destined for, you know, going to the playoffs at least here um, as we're talking about them, you know, about 40% of the way through the season. Um, I think what concerns me for the Rangers, though, is if and when they do get to the playoffs, I think this will have more of a more of a effect. Yeah, I mean, I still think they'll be all right. Um, But I mean, that's a guy you want to have, especially come playoff time. You know, if the rotation is, you know, Nate Avaldi, number one and uh, John Gray, number two, Andrew Heaney number three or maybe they get some at the trade deadline who knows but like you know you're going to be thinking like there's a there's a big gaping hole in that rotation where you know someone else should be right exactly like um Evaldi has um Evaldi this year has been a, a clear number one guy um but like you know the rangers invested in degrom for a reason you you wanted you wanted that firm ace uh, at the top of the rotation for potential playoff runs. Um, and it's, you know, it's really unfortunate that, that you can't have that at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I, to go into the too good to be true stuff, I, we, we do actually want to talk to someone who knows a little bit more about uh, UCLs and maybe talk to someone about um, what may be causing this problem. But, you know, he was a he's been consistently since the start of 2021 throwing uh, averaging 98 to 99 on his fastball. Um, there's not really many starters that do that. Uh, the only one that comes to mind is Hunter Green and Spencer Strider and Green has already had Tommy John surgery. Strider, uh, I think, yeah, has also had Tommy John surgery in the last five years. So I don't know. It, I maybe it's sort of an an inevitability if you're throwing that hard uh, consistently as a starter. I like it, it just, it's really unfortunate. I don't know if they can figure that out, figure out how to solve that problem. Yeah. I mean, if we can eventually evolve to it in a way where starters can consistently throw that much and, you know, keep their UCLs intact, that would be fantastic. But I mean, until then there's no reason to really believe it. Yeah, I mean that's that's going to be the age old question that these sports doctors are probably going to want to solve, and and you know, sports. Uh, I'm sure sports it has medicine been for people. many years already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of money that could that could be made out of that. So I'm sure people are on the on the case. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's it's a real bummer. Um, but any anything more anything more to say on the uh, Degrom topic? I think we covered pretty much all of it. Um. So yeah, you know, Degrom getting uh Tommy John for the second time in his career, although it's a luckily I guess thirteen year gap between Tommy John surgeries. It's not like it's been frequently happening. Um, but it is mm-hmm. sort of an anomaly to get Tommy John surgery twice. Um, but it has happened before, and it will be happening with Degrom. Uh, a guy who has gotten Tommy John surgery in recent years, who came back, looked to be forming into his pre-surgery self, um, is hitting the uh, 60-day injured list once again, not with an elbow issue, but with a shoulder issue. And uh, that's Chris Sale. That's from uh, our hometown team, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he is out, I think, three to four months with a, a shoulder um scapula issue or i forget i forgot the exact term but i know it's a shoulder issue um i mean uh guy can't catch a break yeah no he really can't um and yeah like you mentioned this was really when it looked like things were starting kind of good over his uh over his previous six starts before this injury he had 36 innings pitched and a 225 era with a 274 fip uh, at 41 strikeouts and only five walks. Um, and that's including the, you know, the last start where his velocity was down against the Reds. Uh, and, you know, it just, he clearly just wasn't right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think in that moment, everyone knew like, okay, velocity's like significantly down. He's struggling to miss bats the way that he, actually, that's a lie. He had six strikeouts and three and two thirds. You know, he was still, he was still actually kind of dominating. Um, but you know, I mean, five hits allowed and three and two thirds, an earned run, a walk. Um, yeah, I mean, this also, <laughs> this also just sucks. You know, Chris Sale was a guy that uh, was incredibly electric at his peak, uh, and you know, injuries have also kept him off the field. And yeah, you know, we kind of got a tease here of the old Chris Sale. He was dominant. He was striking guys out. He was uh, pitching extremely well uh, for an extended period of time, for a month and a half, and. You know, yeah, same same outcome. Right. It, it's it's a uh, yeah. It, it is a very big bummer once again. You know, matching the theme of the episode, uh, seemingly. But yeah, it really stinks because because yeah, I mean he he was he started the season sort of struggling. He he so he had a so yeah to break down the timeline of Chris Sale, he had Tommy John surgery. Um. I think spring of 2020, uh, he came back to the field late 2021, like August, September of 2021, um, was able to pitch, you know, find a bit of a groove and, uh, and, and finally, um, and actually, you know, started in the postseason, uh, was a little shaky at times. Then heading into 2022, he had this punctured something in his rib problem um kept him off the field until uh, about july then he gets hit with a line drive then he falls off his bike and is out for the season um only pitches five and two-thirds innings last year it was an unbelievable sequence of events 
And then finally this year, it's like, okay, he's coming into the season healthy. He's going to start the first week of the season. This is going to be awesome. Uh, He starts the season a bit shaky and then uh, starts to find himself. And now he's facing this injury, which is very unfortunate. Uh, The specific injury was a a stress reaction in his shoulder. Uh, It won't require surgery, luckily. um, But... uh, the soonest he can pitch, you know, with the 60 day IL uh, transition is the soonest he can pitch is August 1st. He will probably, you know, he'll probably come back uh, further beyond that. Unfortunately, this affects um, this affects the Red Sox more than the more than the DeGrom injury affects the Rangers. Yeah, no, it definitely does. The Red Sox rotation is not very deep. Uh, they have two guys that you could argue should be relievers that are currently in their starting rotation. Um, maybe even three if you if you look at Cutter Crawford that way. But I mean, it's you know it's Brian Bayo, it's James Paxton who have both looked solid, you know, down the stretch this year. Then it's Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Howe, Cutter Crawford right now. Um, you know they could use a guy like Chris Sale who you know you know they can really rely on to go out there and dominate every single night. Uh, or you know you know at least put them in the you know keep them in the game every night that he's on the mound. Um, and they aren't going to have that for presumably the rest of the year. Um, maybe if they sneak into the postseason, we could see it. But, you know, I mean, I don't know how how confident the Red Sox would feel bringing Chris Sale back specifically for the postseason because, I, you know, I can't imagine the regular season is super realistic at this point. Right, exactly, um, given, given what the news reports have said. Um, and, yeah, the Red Sox are a team – that's really, really missing an ace. I mean, they've lost um, over the past couple of years. They've lost uh, both Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Eovaldi. The Eovaldi situation was weird because I was I was reading up on it just to um, refresh myself. Apparently, the Red Sox gave him a good offer um, at the beginning of the offseason. And uh, then and Eovaldi wanted to thought his market would be better. And then when he came back asking for that offer, um, the Red Sox sort of refused it because uh, they had already spent a good amount of money beforehand, which is, I don't know if that was a reflection of ownership or the GM, but it was kind of a weird thing. But they lost Yavaldi nonetheless, uh, who would have been like a good number one right now, but they don't really have a number one. They they kind of supplemented Yavaldi with Corey Kluber, who has ended up kind of being a disaster for the team uh, thus far and um, still remains in the bullpen, which is interesting Um, still on the team. Uh, But, but yeah, they just don't have a clear number one. And that's even more evident with Chris sale because you, he hadn't really been a number one uh, up to his last, you know, five or so starts. And now there's, there's just nothing, nothing dominant in the rotation right now. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely concerning, especially, you know, in like, like maybe the greatest division of all time to essentially not really have much of a rotation. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's the sale injury definitely affects the Red Sox more than the ground injury affects the Rangers. Uh, I would agree with that statement. I think most people would. Um, I don't know. The Red Sox trade deadline is going to be interesting because the offense is going to struggle. And can you hear this fire truck going off behind me? No. No, okay, never mind. Anyway, um, the Red Sox, you know, their offense has been really struggling lately. They might need a bat. 
you know, that they definitely need a starter if they're trying to buy at the deadline. And obviously, like, I don't think there's ever been a team that was like, actually, we don't need a single reliever. Our bullpen is good as is. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I don't think the if the Red Sox plan on buying at the deadline, I don't think there's a single uh, asset that they don't need. Yeah. And starting is definitely the most uh, important. And I really don't know what the starter market is going to look like at the deadline. Yeah. All I really know is the main free agent uh, starting pitcher is Aaron Nola, who is going to be on a buying team with the Phillies. Yeah. Um. So he's not going to be on the market. Uh. The White Sox, you have no idea what they're going to have <laughs> have up their sleeve in the at the trade deadline because I mean, if you're not if you're not in contention in the AL Central, I mean that's a really really bad sign. Like you can be ten games below yeah. five hundred and be in contention for that division. It's just a very weird. Uh, very weird thing. So the White Sox, I think, are probably just going to stay in contention. So they might not have uh someone like Giolito on the market. But yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird place. And going back to the point with the Rangers being more um you know prepared for a for a you know Degrom injury than the Red Sox for a sale injury. Uh, it it just goes into what these teams did in the off season. Um, Rangers, they went out, not only did they get a star like DeGrom, but they got depth. Um, the Red Sox were just kind of on the fly going about things and not filling their rotation with depth. I mean, they, they added, you know, they kept Paxton around, they added Kluber, but they didn't really add anyone that was going to be a number one, number two guy. And, uh, we're kind of seeing that with, uh, with this sale stuff. I really don't know what the market's going to look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically for starters, because like, you know, there was a thought that maybe the White Sox would sell, but I think they've put themselves back into a position where realistically they're buying. They're only four and a half games out of the Central, which is a very winnable division if you're, you know, a team in a position like the White Sox. Yeah, all you have to do is like win five games in a row and you might just <laughs> win that division. You know who's uh who's won five games in a row? The A's. The Oakland Athletics. They're they're someone someone edited like the uh like the scene from Moneyball where it's like, what is happening in Oakland? Oh my god, I love that. I love any anytime yeah, Moneyball. Someone can put like a big banner. In. This is this is yesterday, but someone put up a big banner that had like a number four instead of like a number nineteen. <laughs> Uh, I love. I don't it. think any of the games have been home either. Right. Yeah. And then they've been in Pittsburgh and uh, Milwaukee. I love any time Moneyball can. I be... really want. You know what I wonder? I don't think this will happen because they're only a first place. But like, what if the Brewers uh sell off Corbin Burns? Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously they're... because, I mean, I think we've already confirmed that he is very much not coming back to them in free agency. And I don't think they're going to extend him. And he's probably got what, like two or three years left of control. Uh, he's um, got two years left of control, including this one. Um, I don't think they would because this is a year where they're expecting to make the playoffs. But you know what? They were expecting to make the playoffs last year, and they traded Josh Hader with two years. Of control. Yeah, you so wonder. That might be the biggest. Like, I assume they would probably be getting a, a major league ready, like a big time asset back. 
Right. But I I wouldn't be terribly surprised, honestly, if they if they really went for it and traded Corbin Burns. Um, yeah, you would wonder if yeah, it wouldn't be a normal uh trade of an ace like that. Um, where you get a bunch of prospects, you know, like the Louis Louis Castillo deal. It might be mm-hmm. like last year's uh Josh Hader trade where you get a major league ready guy or you know a couple prospects to go with that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is still with the theme, you know, if they're trained to the Red Sox, they're probably going to ask someone like Brian Bayo, like a you know, a major league ready talent that has a lot of team control, maybe a guy like Tristan Casas. Uh, yeah, the the you know, they would ask for major league talent, guys that they're expecting to win them games right now that have team control. Right. Yeah, I yeah, and and that that you know, drop in their relationship um has been publicized with how Corbin how upset Corbin Burns was um prior to the season, you know, in spring training he was in a sort of media scrum and uh talked about how horrible the uh arbitration process was with the Brewers this year. So, you know, that relationship has kind of been um publicized it how how badly it turned and maybe maybe some things were mended but we don't exactly know and yeah it wouldn't be that much of a surprise if uh some sort of transaction happened there yeah no i think that that, that's definitely the biggest like hear me out type of trade uh that could happen at this deadline Right, yeah. It it could be that one surprising thing where like, whoa, I thought it was not gonna be a cool deadline and now it is. Um Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um so yeah, the Brewers uh are definitely in the playoff picture, um, considering their division. Another team in the playoff picture that um just continues to stick around and as you mentioned, has the same record as the Los Angeles Dodgers right now is the Miami Marlins, uh, who are 37 and 29. Um, I believe they've won six out of seven or seven out of eight or something, but they've also won 19 out of 27. Uh, they are rolling, doing pretty well. Uh, what have you been thinking about the Marlins? Um, I mean, the, the obvious story is Luis Arise, who is. Uh, only batting three ninety seven. What a fraud! Yeah, get him out of here. Um, no, but I mean, you know, obviously he's gotten a lot of attention with the with the chase to four hundred. He also has like a nine fifty OPS. So, you know, people people look at that and be like, oh well, he's only a, an average guy, and maybe he is. But I mean, you look at a guy with a nine fifty OPS, and it's that guy's good. That doesn't matter how they're doing it. That's something that you'll take on your team any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Um. I'm I'm saying this because I'm stalling trying to find out how many game like when they started winning a lot like this and it looks like oh May 25th what a day yeah yeah they they've, yeah they've had yeah they've had some uh, different jumping off points I think I think yeah the... I so real quick since May 25th uh, the Miami Marlins have the best record in Major League Baseball. 750 winning percentage. They are 12-4. and four. They have scored 85 runs and allowed 56. Uh, so 
I think pretty clearly their pitching is a large part of the reason, but their offense is too. 85 runs uh, is a lot. It's not the most in the National League or Major League Baseball, but it's definitely, uh, you know, better than most. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I think the the pretty clear uh, reason for their success has been that pitching. And that's kind of what it takes to succeed in the way that the Marlins have, where you look at a team with a not great run differential, but they're still winning games, they're winning a lot of one-run games. It's, you know, a combination of, like, kind of lackluster offense combined with ridiculous pitching, specifically bullpen. That's what it was for the Seattle Mariners in 2021 when they had the, uh, you know, the fun differential season. Yeah, um, right, right. If you, if you remember that. But, you know, the Marlins, I mean, obviously they've been hitting a lot better, and the run differential is actually good now. Um you know, or at least it has been in this span. But specifically, they have the uh, second highest pitcher F4 uh, in this span. They have 10.34 strikeouts per nine as a staff. That is second in the league, only to Toronto, uh, which is pretty fantastic. They also have a 49% ground ball rate as a team. Uh, that leads the majors, and that's also, like, pretty incredible uh, to do as an entire team over a, what, 16-game stretch. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, 50%. Looking at specifics here, sorry if you had something, but uh, Jesus Lizardo has been really leading this rotation. 11.94 strikeouts per nine over the span, 1.4 walks per nine, and 0.52 home runs per nine. He only does have a a 3.63 ERA, which isn't, like, fantastic, but uh, he has a 1.89 FIP and a 0.7 F4 over his last three starts, which is excellent. Yeah, that really is. Um, yeah, the the pitching has definitely been sort of the uh, catalyst in their success. But yeah, as you mentioned, their offense is also doing well, which is not something you say about the Marlins very often. Usually, you know, at least the precedent of the last, I don't know, three years, maybe even half decade is like, okay, this pitching. Really just since the fire sale. Right, yeah, since the fire sale, um, it's been like, okay, this – pitching is like pretty nice i mean like you you think about oh this this pitching has a great future but this offense is is just atrocious and it's been one of the worst offenses over the past few years but in this you know stretch in which they've won 12 out of 16 you know as you mentioned uh they have a 116 weighted runs created plus their offense is 16 percent better than the average offense uh that ranks sixth in baseball in the span uh they've been they've been able to get a high, you know, batting average. And it's not just been Luis Arise. Actually, Jorge Soler in his last 28 games has a 1060 OPS in 122 plate appearances. He has 12 home runs in his last 28 games, uh, getting on base at a 393 he's even, clip. He's even better at than lefties, too. Clip. Uh, sorry, what was that? And Jorge Soler has, like, ridiculous lefty-righty splits this year, like, specifically against lefties. And it's not even that he's, like, bad against righties. Um, but I'm going to find it real quick because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Against left-handed pitching this year, Jorge Soler has 64 plate appearances. He is slashing 333, 438, 889 for a 1326 OPS. He has nine home runs against, uh, against lefties in 64 plate appearances and 54 at bats. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, that's insane. And Soler was, uh, you know, they signed him to a three-year deal prior to the 2022 season. 
Um, and it's looked like looking like that's shaping up to uh be a pretty good signing, at least as of this year, uh, as you know, his OPS now overall on the season stands over 900, uh, which is really, really good for a guy, you know, they gave him, I think 15 million a year. Um, he's definitely, you know, getting to his value and then some, uh, with a, you know, 1060 OPS in his last 28, 28 games and 905 OPS overall in the year. Uh, he's been really, really good. Uh, along with Luis Arise. I mean, everyone's talking about Luis Arise, but you know, in the month of June, as I should. Yeah, in the month of June, I think he's got over 1,000 OPS as well. Um, he's been unbelievable too. And uh, and yeah, I I think there's yeah I have a c- couple other guys I could get to, but yeah, Joey Wendell in the last uh in the Marlins last 16 games is a 152 weighted runs created plus. Um, Brian De La Cruz has been doing well as well. Uh, with a 134 weighted runs created plus in the team's last 16 games. Um, so there's been a, there's been some contributors. I think Jesus Sanchez is having a good year too. He's a really young uh outfielder uh for the Marlins. So I mean when the Marlins offense is cooking, I mean you know this team is doing well. Mm-hmm. You you just uh you just don't see that by too the way, well. I want to shout Garrett Hampson slash line over this I want to shout out Garrett and slash line over the span. It's only 26 plate appearance, but I mean, I see a 278, 488, 78. Um, a 23.1% walk rate. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 278, 480, 278. Oh, I love that. Um, um, Yuri Perez in his last three starts has an 060 ERA. His FIP is a lot higher. Jose Perez is a year younger than Paul Skeens, who's like the consensus top pitcher in the MLB draft this year. And yeah. he has and he's pitching for the Marlins in the major leagues. Yeah, yeah. Perez is doing great. Which, um, you know, maybe that says more about like the process of uh you know, I'm pretty sure it says more about like the international process versus the homegrown, like the American process, but hey, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it it really is. Um, it does go back to that um, that great foolish baseball tweet when he was like, "Wait till uh Juan Soto gets to Adley Rutschman's age." Um, yeah, it's... no, wait till Yuri Perez gets to Paul Skeen's age. Right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, and regarding the um uh, regarding the Marlins too, I think when guys like Soler, Wendell, um even uh even i don't know someone like brian de la cruz who's kind of developed lately um it's it's solidifying a little more trust in the um kim ing uh you know uh general management um you know she was hired as the gm what before 2022 and some Uh, of those before 2021 before 2021 yeah because she Traded for uh, Jesus Lazardo in 2021. Yep. Yeah. Before 2021. Um, and, you know, some of those players in the offense and obviously Jesus Lazardo too, on the pitching side of things are like working out right now. It, you know, some of the, some of those signings did not pan out last year, but with Jose, Jorge Soler specifically, 
Um, he's looking really good. And I mean, the Marlins were not really expected to do much this year and them over overperforming right now. It definitely looks good for, you know, upper management, especially, especially with the Mets and Phillies, both underperforming. Uh, they they're tied for the third strike in the national league right now, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild, pretty wild. And it's, um, over this past span, it's it's it hasn't really been a, a factor of like them winning a ton of uh, one run games like that's been part of it. But like over the past three or so weeks, um, they've also been able to, you know, dominate teams, uh, which is pretty cool. So we'll see how far this takes them. Um, offense looks better. Pitching looks good as ever. Uh, and uh yeah, also shout out to uh, Braxton Garrett. He's doing amazing too. Um he's had really yeah. really good strikeout numbers over his last 6 starts. So He has a 240 242 xFIP. Uh he does have a he does have a 20.3% home run to fly ball ratio, which is BS, but he does have a 27.2% or 2.4 xFIP. Yeah, that's yeah, that uh that's unfortunate for him, but yeah, his strikeout numbers are unbelievable over this span over the span and yeah. beyond the span too. Uh just wanted to give a quick shout out because his for a different how about that, not he's not my how about that, but for for a guy I was studying up on, I was looking at like the called strike and whiff rate leaderboards over the past month. And this guy's like at the top of it. So that's pretty cool. Um so uh anything more on the Marlins before we get into uh players to highlight? Um no I think that's kind of it. All right, so that leads into the part we have most pre- prepared for, um, starting with uh, players to highlight for good reasons with our um, Monday, June 12, 2023 edition of... How about that? Uh, who do you have for us today? So for my how about that, uh, you know, I feel like... There were there was a time where this guy was ineligible for how about that, but I think I think you and I would agree that he's re-entered the pool. Uh, but I'm talking about J.D. Martinez, who has been hitting very well for the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, over the last couple of weeks. Since May 22nd, he is slashing 315, 333, 808, 1142 for a 197 weighted runs created, plus the third highest in Major League Baseball fall over that span uh he leads the majors with 10 home runs and the next closest is seven since may 22nd um he also leads the national league in slugging percentage overall this season at 619 uh so i mean he's he's back uh during this span he has a 19.2 percent barrel rate and that is the 12th highest among the 254 hitters with at least 25 batted balls and one barrel uh, he also has a hard hit rate of 59.6%, the ninth highest in the majors. Uh, and also in this band, I thought this was interesting, but he is a uh, he is a 1667 slugging percentage on balls to the pull side, which is tied with Aaron Judge for third highest in the majors over this span. And you know when JD Martinez was going with the Red Sox, he was hitting a lot of balls to the opposite field and driving the ball the other way. Uh, this year he's going to the pole side and it's actually given a lot more success. So he's kind of switching that up now. Um, and before the span, he had a ground ball rate of 36.4%, which is already very low, but in this span, it's down to 26.9%, the fourth lowest among the 93 hitters with at least 50 batted balls in this span. Uh, he also has a fly ball rate 
of 48.1%, which is the third highest among the 272 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. Yeah, almost half of his batted balls are fly balls, which is nuts. And by the way, he also has 52 batted balls, so the 25 is not a uh, a cherry pick. Hmm. Uh, he has specifically crushed fastballs in his span. Uh, he is hitting 381 against four seamers, cutters, and sinkers, and he is slugging 1048. And that 1048 slugging percentage ranks second highest among the 119 hitters with at least 25 batted balls against fastballs. So JD Martinez is back. He's driving the ball, and uh, he's been, uh, you know, a big reason the Dodgers have uh, stayed in the NL NLS, which is it sounds weird, but the way the Diamondbacks are going right now, it's it's been tough to keep up with them. JD Martinez. How about that? Uh yeah, Martinez. Um, it it looks kind of bleak after last year because it looked like his power stroke was kind of gone. Home runs went way down, you know, it was far from a 30 home mm -hmm. run season, which had become routine prior to that. Um, but uh, you know, it looked like okay, you know, when the Red Sox let him go, it was like, okay, you know, his exit velocity went down. It didn't seem like he was the same hitter, but um, it looked like just sort of now it looks like more of a fluke uh, as he really has come back to the hitter that he was uh, prior to last season. Um, so uh, now into my how about that, uh, who is a starting pitcher, actually kind of to go with the um, theme of the episode, starting pitcher for the Rangers, talking about John Gray, uh, who's really a been dominating. Special. Um Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot he was, uh, yeah. The first, uh, first AR comeback special. I forgot he was a slightly alarming. Um, mm -hmm. do you remember, do you remember when? No. Okay. Um, it was, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, before graduation. Cause I feel like I remember talking about him in your room. Yeah. Well, this span does go back to before graduation. So it, I imagine, so it's been about a month since we've talked about him. So that's good. Yeah, but uh, he's really turned it around. Um, in his last six starts, he has a zero point eight four ERA and a two point seven six FIP in forty three innings pitched. Out of eighty five qualifiers in this span, his ERA ranks first, and his FIP ranks fifth out of eighty five. Also, out of ninety one pitchers with five hundred plus pitches thrown in this span, his expected wOBA and expected slugging against is fourth lowest. Uh, largely what the difference has been is way more strikeouts and way less walks. His strikeout rate has gone from 15% before the span to 29% in the span. His walk rate has gone from 11% before the span to 4% in the span, which makes his strikeout minus walk rate go from 4% before the span to 25% in the span, a 21% increase in strikeout minus walk rate. Uh, part of this has to do with him getting a lot more swings and misses his whiff rate has gone from 22 percent to 31 percent uh, and out of 73 pitchers with 250 plus swings against him his whiff rate ranks 14th and out of 91 pitchers with 500 pitches thrown in this span his called strike and whiff rate ranks 13th uh, about top 15 percent there uh, and part of the reason he has been able to avoid walks uh, and only have a four percent walk rate in the span is uh, just getting more ahead in counts. Uh, he has gone from reaching three ball counts in 21% of his batter's face before the span to only 13% of them in the span. So he has been 
uh, avoiding the three ball counts a lot more in his last six starts, uh, helping him get to a 4% walk rate, helping him get to a 0.84 ERA in his last six starts in 43 innings pitch. So John Gray getting a... And uh, this year's first ARR comeback special. Pretty unbelievable. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. Put suckers in beer. Um, Big time. Yeah. Uh, so now we go from the highs to the lows. We're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Monday, June 12, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming. Uh, who do you have for us today? Yeah, so my slightly alarming uh, is Anthony Rizzo of the New York Yankees. And man, he has been really struggling uh, lately since May 24th. He is slashing 120, 170, 120, 290 for a negative 21 weighted runs created plus. His slugging percentage, uh, OPS, and weighted runs created plus all rank last among the 172 qualifiers over this span. Uh, and I mean, there's just everything is, you know, gone down before the span and in the span uh, before the span. He had an average exit velocity of 90.7 miles per hour. And in this span, it is down to just 84.3 miles per hour, which ranks 10th lowest among the 260 hitters with 25 batted balls in the span. Uh, also before the span, he had a fly ball rate of 34.4% and an average exit velocity on fly balls of 92.9 miles per hour. And in the span, he has a fly ball rate of just 25% and an average exit velocity on fly balls of 90.4 miles per hour. So not only is he hitting less fly balls in a hitter-friendly ballpark, but also even when he does, he's hitting them a lot softer. And not even the short porch can can see those. Uh, he is, his ground ball rate has gone from 28.1% to 38.9%. His hard hit rate has gone from 37.5% to 19.4%. That is tied for fourth lowest on that same list of 260. Uh, and his sweet spot rate has gone from 51.6%, which was the third highest among the 302 hitters with at least 25 batted balls in that span, to just 33.3%. So he's kind of coming back down to earth. His sweet spot percent is around Major League average now. Um and that's all of his batted ball stuff. But additionally, his outside swing rate has gone from 35.2% to 43.8%. And his outside contact rate has gone from 64.6% to 56.6%. So uh, he's, you know, his batted ball profile is overall worse off across the board. He's also chasing more and getting less results when he does. So Anthony Rizzo has been pretty dreadful over the last few weeks. And those are the reasons why. Yeah, Anthony Rizzo. Slightly alarming. Um, yeah, looks like nothing is going right uh at all. No no silver lining there at all. Um my slightly alarming, um, I hate to do it, but it is a it is a talk of shame. Uh it is uh, uh one of my players to watch. And uh Rowdy Telez has really been struggling in his last eighteen games. Um in his last eighteen games, he's hitting 161 with a 381 OPS and zero weighted runs created plus. Uh, out of 175 qualifiers in this span, his on-base percentage is second worst, slugging is fourth worst, OPS is fourth worst, and weighted runs created plus is also second worst. Out of 268 hitters with tw- <clears throat> out of 268 hitters with 25 plus batted balls in the span, his expected WOBA is fourth worst, so the expected numbers 
are kind of in line with his actual numbers too. Uh, in this span, he has only one extra base hit and one barrel. This is a guy who um, really thrives on extra base hits, can get the long ball, but uh, has un- been able to been unable to do it. Uh, no home runs also in this span. Uh, his barrel rate has gone from 13% before this 18-game span, uh, 13% to 2% in this span. Uh, also, his walk rate has gone down down dramatically gone from 13 percent to three percent uh he only has one walk in his last 13 games and his chase rate has gone from 23 percent before that span to 33 percent in that span and uh he has also gone from uh he's also getting he's also gone from getting to three ball counts in 31 percent of his plate appearances to only 15 percent of his plate appearances uh so rowdy telez He's barreling up the ball. It's pretty simple. He's been barreling up the ball way less, and uh, he has been seeing less pitches and chasing more pitches, uh, resulting in a dramatic decrease in walk rate along with his dramatic decrease in barrel rate, and that has resulted in him having a zero weighted runs created plus in his last 18 games. So Rowdy Telez. Slightly alarming. With the... uh, with the talk of shame as he was my Brewers player to watch started the season really good, yeah. but um has been struggling the last three weeks. Uh, so yeah, that does it for players to highlight um, where, and now we will get into uh, the final segment of the show previewing the week ahead. I will be looking at the series to watch. Daniel will, will be looking at the day by day matchups um, <clears throat> day by day, starting pitching matchups uh, to be more specific. Uh, with series to watch, um, couple series particularly intrigue me. Um, just two for now. Uh, the Rangers and Angels will be going at it at uh, Globe Life Park. Um, Gray will be pitching. You know, my how about that? John Gray will be pitching in the series. It is a four gamer. Um, between the Rangers and Angels. Um, Rangers have been doing great, uh, obviously leading the AL West, but the Angels have also been doing pretty well, um, landing, you know, five games above 500 right now at this point in the season. Um, they are in playoff contention and can, you know, potentially be a challenger to the Rangers, um, and could gain some ground potentially in this series. So I'd be looking out for that matchup. And the other matchup, uh, that I like is the, D-backs and the Phillies um, out in Arizona. That looks to be a uh, that looks to be a I believe a three game series. No, four game series. Um, four game series between the D-backs and the Phillies. I, I say these two teams because uh, both of them have been doing pretty well as of late. Um, the D-backs have obviously been making way. Uh, and gaining a lead in the Nas- in the National League West. But the Phillies have uh, also, you know, kind of come back to earth from their struggles and have been doing well the last, you know, 10 games or so. So a couple teams to look out for there. Um, what do you have for the day-by-day yeah. pitching matchups? Shout out to the Subway Series without Aaron Judge or Peter Alonso. Yeah, this I, week. I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel like mentioning them because, I don't know, both teams are just... They don't really excite me right 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 now at the moment. 
but it yeah. is happening. Uh, not a whole ton of baseball happening today, but uh, Connor Seabold will be facing his old team. Uh, had Fenway facing James Paxton and Red Sox Rockies. Um, Tyler Anderson and Dane Dunning will face each other in Rangers and Angels. Yeah, like Chris mentioned, at Globe Life Field. Zach Eflin will be facing the A's for the Rays in uh, Oakland. Uh, Jesus Lazardo and Bryce Miller will face each other in Marlins Mariners. And matchup of the day, no, matchup of the night, comes from Giants-Cardinals. It's Logan Webb versus Matt Liberator. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then moving on to Tuesday, uh, Spencer Strider will face the Tigers for the Braves in Detroit. Chris Bassett will face the Blue Jays, uh, or will face the Orioles for the Blue Jays in Baltimore. Um, Luis Severino and Max Sergio will face each other in Yankees Mets. Um, Alex Cobb and Jack Flaherty will be facing each other in Giants Cardinals. Um, Luis Ortiz and Jamison Tyon will face each other in Pirates and Cubs. Uh, Jaime Berea, who's pitched very well for the Angels, will be facing John Gray versus How About That in those Rangers. And uh, Hunter Brown will face the Nationals for the Astros in Houston as a 2019 World Series rematch. Um, Tanner Bybee and Joe Musgrove will face each other in Guardians Padres uh, in San Diego. The Padres will be welcoming back like five of their former players probably um, in that in that series. Uh, Zach Wheeler will be facing the Diamondbacks for the Phillies at Chase Field. George Kirby will be facing the Marlins for the Mariners at T-Mobile Park. Lance Lynn and Tony Gonsolin will face each other in White Sox Dodgers in L.A. And matchup of the night comes from uh, Brewers Twins in Minnesota. It's Corbin Burns versus Pablo Lopez. Yeah, good good uh, all-central matchup there. Yeah. And then on Wednesday, um, we're, we're going to have, let's see, what do we got? Not a whole lot is announced, but Reed Demers and Andrew Heaney are facing each other in Angels Rangers. Um, Josiah Gray and Framber Valdez will face each other in Nationals Astros. Uh, Aaron Savali and Michael Waka will face each other in Guardians and Padres. Uh, Ranger Suarez and Merrill Kelly will face each other in Phillies D-backs. Luis Castillo will face the uh, Marlins for the Mariners. Clayton Kershaw is pitching for the Dodgers against the White Sox, and matchup of the night pretty easily comes from the Subway Series. It's Garrett Cole versus Justin Verlander. Yeah, twenty nineteen Cy Young yeah, race. Yeah, oh, yeah, boy. yeah. The the former Astros. Yeah, yeah. Or no, wait, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then I'll. Here. Yeah, and then I'll throw in some matchups on Thursday because a lot is actually announced. Um, Aaron Nola will face the Diamondbacks for the Phillies. Um. Mackenzie Gore and Christian Javier will face each other in Nationals Astros. That's a fun one. Logan Allen and Yu Darvish will face each other in Guardians Padres. Logan Allen is a former Padres prospect. Dylan Cease and Michael Grove will face each other in White Sox Dodgers. And matchup of the night, I'm pretty confident this won't be topped, comes from Angels Rangers at Shohei Otani versus Nathan Avaldi. Yeah, I I saw that when I was looking at the uh at the series. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's a uh, that's a true ace off, at least how things have been going and uh, Otani's coming off another ace off. He faced Luis Castillo in his last matchup. So, um, yeah, fun to fun to have those types of matchups. Um, actually, both coming out of the AL West, um, which is turning into a pretty yep. good division, um, oddly enough. So, yeah, that does it for um, this this installment of Above Replacement Radio. Happy to get back talking about the current MLB topics. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on an Apple podcast or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to the YouTube channel um, 
and subscribe to the YouTube channel to get that and all the digital content over there. Um, and uh, if you're listening on YouTube and want to check out the audio only uh, edition of the podcast, go to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify streams. That Those are also called Above Replacement Radio. Follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. And we hope to see you next time where we'll be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.